Uh, if we all had the attitude of Byron, the world would be a better place. Because Byron is a great attitude all the time. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, church. Thank you, Pastor, for, for all that. Thank you. Thank you for having the doors open for a family, for my family and I, when we needed, we didn't even, honestly, we didn't even know what we really needed. All we needed to, I think the main thing that we knew we needed was to know that somebody loved us and cared for us. And, you know, a lot of what I'm going to say today is, you know, I wrote it all down and believe me, it was really difficult. Um, but most of it is just coming from my heart, if not all of it. Um, so if I get a little emotional or I get a little passionate, it's because my God has brought me through so much. <laughs> I believe it's in Psalm 72 where it says, Until I went into the house of my God, then I understood their end. Speaking of the world. And believe me, the world had tried to get a hold of my mind, tried to get a hold of my heart, as well as my family. And I am, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm, I'm a very honest person, so thanks Dallas for telling them if I, if I come off in, in an abrasive way, it's just my nature, I'm honest, I do it with love. If I tease you and I pick on you, it's because I love you. Um... Yeah, Maurice and Norma know that they're loved. <laughs> Ryan, I don't know if he knows if he's loved yet, though. <laughs> I think Ryan's still, he's still wondering if I love him. <laughs> no, I love my church. And, and yes, it's been, I, I attended the Hillsborough Church. My wife attended the Hillsborough Church. Myself, I think it was 10 or 11 years. Um, Julie's was there for about 15 years. And then our world came crashing down with probably the trial of our lives. I, in 2004, my dad passed away, and that was, at that point, the hardest trial I'd ever went through my whole life. Um, didn't, little did I know that I was going to go through something even more difficult. And I didn't intend to say all this, so just, you know. But I remember as we were ministering in Seaside and God would give me visions and dreams of things that were about to happen and I didn't understand it. I didn't really know what was going on when he showed me some of these things. And there was one particular dream that God had given me and I warned my pastor at that time and I told him, I said, the storm is coming and it's not going to be a small one. It's going to be a big one. And we prayed, and we knuckled down, and we, you know, we believed God that was going to, you know, bring us through. And God has brought us through. And you know what? I don't believe it was the will of God about, you know, concerning what, what happened to my family. But God works all things together for the good. I would never ask God to interfere in my free will or anybody else's free will for that matter. Because it is a law that was set in motion. It's one of the greatest gifts that God has given us aside from the Holy Ghost that you have the choice, the ability to make decisions and, and do with those decisions with, with whatever, however you want to do. Amen? So, praise God. I'm in the middle of the storm still, but I am, 
you know, there's that one of my favorite songs, uh, "Climbing Up the Mountain." I, if you if you don't know it, the only way I can direct you is uh, Alexander. Uh, help me out. Pentecostal of Alexandria, YouTube it and just type in climbing up the mountain. My goodness, that, that song gets me through. And I'm, I tell you what, I'm still climbing. And, I, and I've been praying, God, give me my mountain because, because it's mine. And some of you are still climbing your mountain. Some of you may still be in the valley and trying to muster the, the only strength that you can find. But just remember that God is in control. Amen. And so with all that... God has been dealing with me for several months concerning our heart. And in Proverbs 4.23, as I open, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And in Ezekiel 11.19, you don't have to stand, it's okay. Ezekiel 11.19 says, And I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh. And my desire today, church, is just to minister in any possible way that I can, because I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm not the only one that is going through things. I'm not the only one who's gone through things that stole something from you whether it's a life filled with drugs and alcohol you you i i've been in that position i've been in that i've lived that lifestyle not as much as some but enough to know it's not a lifestyle i'll ever want to go back to but what you don't realize in that i hope to convey to the church today is that in the decisions that we've made that we've made over the course of our lives uh some good and some bad, they have taken things from us. And I want, I, I believe, you know, this is my desire because I, I've prayed, God, I want your heart. I need your heart. And I want, and I believe that, that God wants to minister to somebody today. Jesus, we come before you tonight, today, Lord, that we, Lord, we come to you. Some, some are on the mountain, some are in the valley, some are just in the middle of it all, Lord, and they just, some are confused and don't know where to go, what to do. I pray, God, that your hand would be in this place, Lord, that you would minister. Lord, I pray that you would soften hearts in this place, Lord God, and make them pliable to your touch, Lord. The stoniest and the hardest of hearts, I pray that you would work and, and, pl- and you manipulate, not manipulate, but Lord, that you would mold and shape them, Lord God. Help us in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise God. So, boy, it's amazing how that music just helps. <laughs> it's all quiet now. I don't know what to do. <laughs> somebody, somebody sing me a song while I preach. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. My wife, she's my world, and she encourages me that, you know, I, you know, I write all this stuff down and it's really hard for me to speak fluently or uh, without hindrance when I'm note bound. So if I if I get lost a little bit, it's because I'm trying to make up my mind whether or not I, re- I want to read my notes. 
or if I just want to talk. But uh, the issues of the heart, it's a sensitive subject. Of, of all the things concerning the body, there is one thing we know that is the hardest to control, and that is our tongue, right? But one of the most complicated things, in my opinion, is the heart. I mean, we can speak about the mind and all that we absorb. And you can read a book and you can absorb so much from it. Some have great memories. I don't. Um, And they can read, they can basically, some can actually read the book right back to you without it, with it being closed. And, you know, we have very intelligent people and and we can, we can put the science label on just about everything that we come across. And, and we put our minds to it, and we, we learn, and we think, and we invent, and we create, and, we, and you fill in the blank. But our hearts, it's such a different subject. It's, it's out, of the issues of, of our, out of the issues of life. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that... He may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Jeremiah 4, 3 says, For thus saith the Lord, the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground. And this is where it becomes difficult, because we're, <laughs> because we're human. And I mean, What happens to a cut? Over time, becomes it becomes a, a scar, and in some cases, when that uh, I have certain scars that I on my hands because I use my hands so much that they've not only become uh, a scar but they have become a callus, and it's a lot of what happens to our heart. It becomes so hard and so dense and hard to penetrate, hard to get through. But the Bible says, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground. And sow not among the thorns. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap mercy and break up fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. Come on, church. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to break up your fallow ground. There's a there's a story that that I heard a long time ago and forgive me for my lack of or for my bad memory but I'm just going to tell you how I remember it and if it's a little off uh you know it's okay but the story that I remember how it was told was there was a man who was tending to his field and he was farming it and as he was farming it it was so full of stones so many stones and so he he it, it took him several several days, if not maybe weeks, for him to finally get every stone out of his yard because we all know that what the Bible speaks to not sow among the stones, right? Well, it says thorns too, but it says that we, it's a good idea that we not sow in where the stones are because it's hard for the, for, the, for the seed to grab root. So we dig the stones out of the ground. And so this man is digging the stones and he's, he's setting them far away. Some actually have, have uh, uh, there's been recordings of some 
in England that have used the stones to literally build their walls. And so if you see a lot of, uh, like, you know, fences or whatnot around people's houses in, in England, it's most likely because they, 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 all those stones came from their garden or their fields. And so this man, he continued to, to uh, get rid of the stones from his, from his uh, field. And then he came back a few days later getting ready. He was all excited, getting ready to, to plant seed in the ground. And all of a sudden, there's, there's stones all over his field again. And he scratches his head confused. And I imagine he probably kicked the dirt a little bit and said a few things. But uh, nonetheless, you know, got to eat, so got to tend to the field. So he went and, and started digging stones again. Dug him, took him a few weeks, a few, you know, however long it took him. And uh, made himself another wall. Maybe a little fire pit. You know, that would be nice. I'd like to have a fire pit. And uh, come back the next few days, and all of a sudden, there's stones again all over his yard. Can't really fully comprehend it. Well, he was really confused at this point and quite frustrated. So at that point, he, he, uh, you know, back then, they didn't have little video cameras, you know, to videotape everything that's going on. So he had to be a little sneaky, and so he... he, uh, he did it again. He field, He got rid of all the stones from his from his yard, and 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 instead of just going off and doing his his daily chores, he stuck around and he he uh, he he watched to see what was going on. Why? And uh, well, lo and behold, the the neighbor on the other side of the fence was doing the same thing. Plowing. Well, he didn't have any room for his stones, so he was throwing them in his neighbor's yard. <laughs> Moral of the story is, is uh, whether it's true or not, you know what? Don't throw your stones in other people's yard because you're going to make them mad. But, <laughs> but that, whether that's true or not, the, the truth of this story is that, yes, stones do uh, accumulate in the ground. And, and in many cases, um, it's kind of a phenomenon. I'll just read you the phenomenon. This is where rocks grow. And Excuse me. Any place that has winters cold enough to freeze the ground, excuse me, might experience this magical appearance of of rocks welling up from beneath the surface. Excuse me. This is so common in the eastern U.S. that the rocks are called New England potatoes. Here's what makes the stones mysteriously appear: stones are better conductors of heat than soil, so the stone conducts conducts heat away from the warmer soil beneath it. That colder soil under the rock then freezes before other dirt at the, uh, at, excuse me, before other dirt at the same depth. Remember that when, rock f- when water freezes, it expands. So when the water in the soil under the rock freezes, it expands and pushes the rocks up a little. When the ground thaws, the space is left uh, the space is left under the stone, which fills with dirt, so the stone rests a little higher over a period of time this re- this re- repeated freezing expanding upward push and filling underneath eventually shoves the rocks to the surface and so that there is the frustration of a farmer, but you know on the bright side. If you can look on the bright side, he's got a nice, cool-looking fence and maybe a rock pit, right? A couple walkways. But the deal is, is that God wants to bring some things to the surface. And as 
I speak from experience, church. One of the hardest things for, you know, maybe it's not just a man thing. Sometimes us men don't understand women. But I do believe that that it's not just a man thing. I do believe that what happens is is we literally we guard our hearts so well because of the things that happened the the things that were done to us i struggled over a, a, a you know through these past 2 or 3 years i didn't trust anybody i had a hard time um trusting people i just was fine sitting in my pew worshiping god because god i do trust you know, a lot of times what happens is when people go through things, they, they point their finger at God. Well, I determined within myself that I was not going to point my finger at God. However, I'm still human, and I'm still, uh, I'm still subject to this flesh. And, and unfortunately, it's easy to point your finger at man. But through it all, you know, analyzing this whole, the whole situation... If you're, a, if you're a true man or you're a true woman and you trust in God and you believe that God, He is and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. If you believe that He is, then you won't, it, it, it won't be so hard for you. I should just say it how it is instead of stuttering all over it. Too many times we cage our hearts and we are afraid to let other people in because of the hurts, because of the pains. And, and in, in reality, we are robbing ourselves. We're not robbing God. I think if we're robbing, more, we're robbing ourselves more than anything, but we are robbing other people because our duty, we have a duty as, as Christians, as people of God, as children of God, to reach a world that is hurting and dying, and yet we're so stuck in our current position that we can't find our way out because we are so guarded and our hearts become so hard, and it is so difficult sometimes to break free from that because of whatever, you, you name it, pride. You know yourself better than I do, whether it be pride, whether it be arrogance, whether it be uh, lack of, you, you know, you're, you can't seem to find the, the, the t- you can't seem to find the strength to humble yourself. Ephesians 6, jumping ahead of myself. King Saul, King Saul was a clear and good example of a man that God chose. God chose Saul, right? Many of us know that he was just a normal guy, except that he was tall. But God, but the, the children of Israel, they wanted a king, and so God chose King Saul. And King Saul, he was a good man, and that's the reason why God chose him. However, over the course of time, the, the power that God gave him, he, he got drunk by it. 1 Samuel 10.9 says, and so it was, or excuse me, and it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. This speaking of the day that God put his hands, or Samuel put his hands on, on Saul and anointed him to be king. God changed his heart. He took the old heart, the old man. This, speak, uh, this is such a good 
illustration of what God does for us when we surrender our hearts and ourselves to him and, and, and we repent and we are baptized God, and we are filled with the Holy Ghost, God gives us a new heart. Fills us with the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking other tongues. But that doesn't necessarily mean that when we live for God, after we get the Holy Ghost, that it's going to be a bed of roses. That it's just going to be, we're just going to fly through this thing called life and, and we're just not going to have any troubles, any hard times, anything that comes against us to try to derail us because the enemy is like a, ro- a lion, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to steal and kill and destroy everything that God just gave you so that he can win. Is that really all that it's about, so he can win? It seems like that's the world we live in right now. If you look at all the junk that's going on in the world, all, every single thing that is going on as far as the negative is concerned, all people seem to care about is I want to win. I want to get in ahead of the traffic so I don't have to, well, I'm, you know. Uh, I, it's no secret. I like. I have a lead foot. Sorry, Norma. But they they want to be in the head. They want to be in the front line. And and I you know we can go into the. You could think about the poll. I'm not going to go into it. It's all. I don't like to think about it. Is you know, the politics and all that stuff that goes on. And everybody just wants to be first. And everybody just wants to to be to be right, and, and, and if they're wrong, they're too prideful to admit it, and, and it's just a vicious circle, church, and how, how, I've asked this question, Lord, how are we going to reach a generation, and how are we going to reach them when they're turning out this way? I just, we know the answer. We know the answer, but it, to be effective in this world, we're going to have to dig we're going to have to get our tools. How, how does a, a stone sculpture sculpt such beautiful statues and beautiful artwork? He uses a chisel. He uses a pickaxe. Some use, nowadays, it's power. So some use the power tools. But mostly it's chisels. And you, and you can go into Rome and, and some of the, uh, you know, the Far East and see all the ancient things. We have some of those things here in America, but not much. And you can see all the beautiful things that, that people built with their hands by using chisels and chiseling away at the stone. It can be done, church. Our hearts are not as hard as stone. Our hearts are not as hard as stone. We can, we can do this thing. We can overcome this thing called flesh. We can overcome this, this mind. And really the, what God is wanting to get to is is our hearts. And if he can get into our hearts, then, then all the junk up there just seems to fade away because it's, the, it's what's in the heart that God wants to get. You know, we, we think we're so smart and we, we have everything figured out, but the truth of the matter is, is that I guarantee you when you go to heaven, we all get to heaven, there's, we're going to be sorely surprised about all the things we thought we had figured out that we really didn't have figured out. We thought we were doing it the right way and we weren't really doing it the wrong the right way, but it wasn't necessarily the wrong way either, but my goodness, my goodness. Lord, have your way. Much of what our heart is 
is hard. And when we don't let God take the hurts and the pains of the carnal nature, which is the pride and the arrogance and the timidness and the hatred and the jealousy, etc., you fill in the blanks. He's not going to be able to heal us. You can't heal a wound when you continue to put dirt in it. When you continue to put, you know, don't get me wrong, God can still, we listened to a message the other, uh, yesterday, God can still use the, the bad parts. He can still use us when we have bad parts. The message, the title of the message was, I believe it's, um, the stink won't stop you, him. The stink won't stop him. And, the, and that is so true. The, our failures, our faults, we so, we so easily take ourselves out of the equation because we don't feel like we're worthy enough to do His will. We don't feel like we're strong enough to do His will. We don't feel like we belong in this place because it's so holy and we're not so holy. But the truth of the matter is, is that God called us out of darkness to be into His marvelous light. But we live in a world that is dark. And sometimes that darkness gets a hold of us, church. But that's why, this, that's why these doors are open so that we can come in and so that we can get refreshed. And the Bible says to do it even more as the day approaches when he comes and takes us home. And we can't afford to get caught up in this world. We can't for, afford to get, to get wrapped up in the, in the wiles of the devil and the, all the things that the enemy has so many tricks and he likes to try to trip us up. But church... You are my strength, you are my rock. You are my strength and you are my rock. You are my strength and you are my rock. You guys don't understand that when I come into this place and when I see you worship and I see you faithfully come into this house, that you're my strength and my rock. He is my strength and my rock, but we are him. Amen. We bear his name. We bear his name. And that's why when you come into this place, you're strengthening more people than what you know and what you understand. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise God. But don't get me wrong. Our hearts are extremely tough. God designed our hearts to be extremely tough. Not hard, but tough. The reason why he designed our hearts to be so tough is so that you can endure the things that you never expected to endure. I never expected to get molested by a child when I was six years old. I never expected to, to be this honest and this forward. But somebody, God is trying to get a hold of somebody. Church, we've been through a lot of junk, a lot of, a lot of mess. But don't let that mess dictate whether or not you're going to live for God with all your heart. My mother died a year later, never knew her. All the things I told God I wanted to do, he's decided, well, you're going to go do those things. I never wanted to be, I would grow up in a small town. I never wanted to be part of a big city. First city I went to was San Francisco. <laughs> kind of big. I grew up in a town of 11, 12,000 people. And I love it. I still love it. Um, we live in a small town now, but God, I don't, I don't want to be in the front. I don't, I don't like this. This is not my nature. <laughs> Many of you know I'm a very... Charity asked me yesterday, why are you so quiet? I'm like, it's just my nature. It's just who I am. But God seemed so fit that he was going to call somebody that... Somebody like me that thought I knew who I was. Thought I had a specific direction going. And, and I would never change it, church. 
Never wanted to be a clown, but God decided I was going to be a clown. <laughs> Never wanted to join the carnival, but I was... I told my dad, no, this was B.C., before Christ, before church. Never, my dad, as a matter of fact, we just had a conversation about a year prior to this moment. Got, he, we, we, I believe in the new, we read in the newspaper that there was a stabbing. One of the, uh, somebody that was there just enjoying themselves stabbed one of the workers, Carney. We call them Carneys because they got cheated, which is probably true. <laughs> And uh, I, you know, and we, and we sat and had a conversation, a long conversation about how crazy that life would be and how we, I would never do something like that in about a year's time, roughly, give or take. My dad, we, I was back home living with my dad, and uh, some of you parents understand what that is. Uh, and uh, there was no work. There's no work in Coos Bay. Still isn't. And he come home. I had spent all day looking for a job to no success. And he come home. He says, I found you a job. And I says, no, you didn't. I've just been all over this town in North Bend. There's nothing out there. And he says, yeah, I found you a job. I says, what? And he says, the carnival. I says, no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And long story short, he pretty much just gave me the boot and said, you know, son, you're going to go have to experience some life. And, and that's exactly what I experienced. I never wanted to be... I never wanted to go in that direction. But you know what, church? If I didn't listen to my father, my dad, the authority in my life, he knew what was best for me. I didn't. I would have never found this church. I would have never found my wife, and I would have never had the most wonderful kids in the world. And... All because I decided, I, I, I said, no, however, I, I love God, and I want to serve him, and I do believe we all want to serve him, amen? And when we have that mentality that God, I don't want to, but I will because you want me to, and when we can have that mentality, church, I don't want to soften my heart, I don't want to let people in. I don't want to let God in. When we can do that, then God can do some great and wonderful miracles in our lives. And we can reach this generation. We can reach this world. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah 4.3 says, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem. I wrote this. I, did, I read it already, and I didn't delete it. My fault. Break up your fallow ground, church. So our hearts are, are extremely tough for good reason, but they are also very, very delicate. I walk through and drive through the streets of Portland Metro and see so many disturbing things. In church, I, you know, I've, I've been more honest than I, I really wanted to about all the things and stuff that I, I've gone through in my life and, and not telling you all and because, you know, but you, my point is, is to be honest is so that you know that I, you're not the only ones because I know that you're not I'm not the only one but so that you can relate and we all can relate but we go, we go through so much junk and so much stuff and it doesn't make it any easier, Brother Blake when we walk the streets of Portland and we see all these homeless people hurting 
and need. And we are so quick to judge why they're there. I don't want to give them money because they're just going to go use it for drugs. Who knows what blind Bartimaeus, before Jesus came into the picture, who knows what he was using his money for? <laughs> but, but it only took one time in the presence of the master for him to ask again. And he got more than just money. Or how about the man when Peter and whoever else was with him, forgive me, when the man was begging and Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And what happened? He got up and walked away. But you want to know the interesting thing? Is that if you read, when you read the story about Peter, many of, you, many of us know that Peter was a big mouth, right? He kind of spoke before he, he thought. And my point is, is that he was not perfect. He, had, he was full of imperfections and he was full of junk. But you, but you can see and you, we can read. The evidence is right here. We can see all the wonderful miracles that God did through Peter. But Peter still had stones. Peter still had junk in his life. Things that, that he, he probably wasn't proud of. Paul still had junk. Things that he wasn't proud of. But God still used him. Don't discredit yourselves because you might be in the middle of a battle or a middle of a struggle and you might slip and fall and sin a little bit. Or maybe you're just struggling with sin but you can't seem to find your way out and you, and you start you start just kicking yourself and kicking yourself. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'll never, I'll never measure up to what God wants me to be. God still used these men. They all rebuked Jesus. Jesus even warned them and said, you were going to rebuke me. And they said, no, no, we're not going to. And they rebuked him. Peter did it three times. And, and you know, church, there's always going to be an Iscariot in the church. I hate to say it, but there's always going to be somebody who's, who doesn't seem to have your back. But you want to know the, 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 the awesome thing about Judas Iscariot is that he was no different than Peter. Peter rebuked Jesus, so did, Jesus, so did Jesus, Judas. Excuse me. Peter found the strength within himself to repent and to follow Jesus Christ but Judas could not find it he beat himself up too much to the point where he killed himself so if there is somebody in the church and forgive me pastor if I'm overstepping my bounds but if there is somebody in the church that might be acting like Judas Iscariot don't judge them and don't rule them out as somebody that is non-reachable Because the truth of the matter is is that they got stones in their own heart. And through time, God can take and, and whittle away. It, it, some of these beautiful statues, they've taken years and years and years to build, to chisel away. And you may, say, wonder, you may be wondering, why God? Why do I still have this? Why do I still have to fight with this? Why God? Why do I still have to struggle with this stupid, stupid stone? It seems like it's just stuck in there and I can't get it out. But the truth of the matter is that every time you get on your knees and every time you lift your hands and worship him, it's just another little piece of that stone being chiseled away. Come on, somebody clap your hands in this place.
Praise God. Praise God. Just the other day, I was reminded that, reminded that God, or excuse me, God reminded me that some of the stones are, yeah, I just basically said that. <laughs> that's, that's the beauty of proofreading your, your, anybody aspiring to be a preacher, proofread your stuff, all right? <laughs> Praise God. You see, if we didn't have Jesus and we had a heart full of stones, we could still overcome. That it means the figures, I, excuse me, it means, I mean, look at figures in entertainment, sports figures. They all have success stories of overcoming hardship. And they seem fine, and they may be fine, but I think we all know better. They may have overcome the hardships in their own lives, and they may seem better people because of it. But we read it in the tabloids time and time again, how all the money and all the fame that people seem to acquire doesn't make them happy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy of the Lord is my strength. If you don't have Jesus, you can't, you can't overcome fully. They may show, they may physically show the success of, their, of what they have overcome. You know, maybe the tabloids or the news reporters, maybe sometimes they tell the truth. But most of the time, they probably, they probably bend the truth quite a bit and say, well, this person, look at what they've overcome. You want to be just like them, right? Look what they've overcome. I don't want to be anything like them. I want to be the only person that I want to be like is Jesus. Because Jesus overcame the world. And when we read it in the Word, we know that it's true because it is the Word of God, unadulterated. It's not CNN. (laughs) Sorry. So what are the, some of the stones? So let's, let's identify some of the things that go on inside of our hearts. Brother Ellis, please don't. Please don't. I, I'm just obeying the voice of the God, okay? I've named a few of them already. Some of us were hurt as children. I don't care if you spend 20 years in therapy. 20 years of therapy is not going to get you a full and complete deliverance from any of that. You may be able to find a way to cope in the world, but you're never going to get your full deliverance, your full victory, your full healing until you come into the presence of God. And when you come into the presence of God, there is such a dynamic that happens, so much more that could happen in, in one of those meetings. Death is not an easy thing to deal with. I, my, like I said, my mother passed away at seven. I never knew her, so it's it's not easy or it's not hard to talk about. Though over time, you know, it is easier to talk about. With you know, my dad passed away, and it was I couldn't talk about it for a long time. But God has taken care of those things and healed me. I still miss him, but I can talk about it and I can do it without emotion. But there are some times when I have, when I reflect on some of those 
times that I spent with him, and, and I get emotional. I think that's good that we do that. But some of those deaths, you know, and what we experience, it's not easy. Um, I, there is a, a very good friend of mine whose son took, her, took his life in. Um, can't imagine, can't imagine, can't imagine. It will take probably a good, it may take a full lifetime for that person to overcome the hurt that's inside. But as Pastor mentioned, when we come, my wife and I, you know what, we, yes, we were hurting, but we still came. I still lifted my hands, church. And sometimes I didn't feel anything. A lot of the times I didn't feel anything, but I still did it because I knew that he was there. I don't, underst- I, don't, I don't always understand why certain things happen, but I do understand the Word of God, and the Word of God says that He gave us this free will for a reason. And I'm going to say it again. I don't want anybody to interfere. I don't want God to interfere with anybody's free will. And in some cases, God does. In my personal opinion, I don't have Bible to back it up. If God's going to interfere with a murder, a killing a sexual abuse, any of that kind of stuff, it's because there is somebody else interceding for that person or that situation. Or maybe that person that's in that situation is praying or talking to God. I would like to believe that God does those things on his own, but I'm, I'm afraid that's not true because it would, he would therefore be interfering with our free will, which he gave to us. Lack of confidence... Boy, boy, that's, that's a big one, right? Many of us struggle with that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll skip that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cast not, therefore, away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. How many like rewards? I like rewards. I like presents. But Christmas presents are nice. Birthday presents are nice. But... Gifts from God, I'll take them over any of it. And when God gives you confidence, it's not the confidence that, sh- that you're in your capability, but it's confidence in Him that He can use the gifts, the capabilities that He gave you. Amen? Too much pride? Or maybe not enough? We can skip that one. <laughs> we could skip that one. Lord, he just does so many great and wonderful things and he can overcome all these things he can overcome pride though he said it's you know i i think this kind of correlates it's easier for a a a camel to go through the eye of a needle i know he was talking about rich men but rich men have a lot of pride yes i believe that men should be men women should be women take stands against things they know they should be taking stands against, things that they believe in, things that that God asks us to do. But if we become so enamored with ourselves, with our own selves, we become too, too prideful in our hearts and in our minds, then God is unable to work. Some of the things that, some of the tools, you, you may wonder, we, we use a chisel to chisel away the stones we use give me something else what else would you use to uh, chisel a statue Uh, you know you got a chisel you got a hammer 
um, to dig stones out of the ground, you would use a shovel. You would use, in some cases, a jackhammer if you got the, the ability. All these things are used to help dig the, thing, the stones out of the ground, but what is it that we use to help dig the stones out of our own heart? And we, we, you, can't, you can't preach too much about prayer, church. Because prayer is the, f- the, the number one most important thing that, that we can use to chip away the stones out of our own heart. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance. Perseverance. You ever feel like giving up? <laughs> all the time. I, you know, I... I I, it's so comforting to know that I'm not the only one. That because the more and more I look at this world, the more and more weary and weary and weary I get. But when we pray, it's just like a whole different person takes over, and we find this confidence and this this perseverance to just keep on pressing through and going through all the junk despite the opposition, all because of one thing. You get down on your knees and you humble yourself in prayer and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So you're in a storm. Literally, you're in a storm. I mean, not, sorry, physically, but spiritually. How easy is it for you to witness to somebody when you're in smack dab in the middle of a bunch of junk without praying, without doing all the stuff that we need to do to, to persevere, to go through all this stuff, it's not easy, is it? I can't find the strength. I can hardly even find the words when I'm not praying. And I, and I know when I'm walking through, there's a still enough Holy Ghost in there that, you know, I, I can still see the hurt and the and the need in somebody, and I'm walking through the store, and or I'm walking through down the street, and I feel it, and I know it, but I just haven't been praying like I should, and I don't have the strength like I should because of the lack of prayer. And we're robbing them, church. We're robbing them because we're not praying. We're robbing them. Ephesians 6.20, For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I would to God that we would be able to labor in prayer enough so that we can find the boldness to speak. The boldness to speak. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you're, and you know it when you're in the Holy Ghost. You know you can get the little hackles or tingles in the back of your neck or your heart feels really warm or the biggest smile you ever thought you could smile comes over your face because you know you're effectively reaching somebody. And that's what it's all about. Another tool, another chisel, another hammer, whatever, is the reading of God's Word. Somebody asked a question a while back, how do you fix a broken heart? This is the only way I believe you can fix a broken heart. The more word that you get inside of it, the more healing can take place. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even dividing asunder the soul and spirit 
and the joints and the marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and what? The intents of the heart. The word of God can break any kind of fallow ground that's inside of your heart. Any kind of thing that you're struggling with, if you can't seem to find the strength to lift your hands, God can break that fallow ground. If you can't seem to find the strength to come to the altar and kneel before him in his presence, God can break that fallow ground. If you can't seem to get on board with the pastor and and amen him when he needs to be amened, God can break that fallow ground. Because church, we're all in it together. I'm an arm, you're an arm, your leg, we're all part, we're all the body, we're all together. And if we can't be, if we can't support one another, then we're not going to be effective as a church. Amen. One of my favorite things to do, and, and you know what, this 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 has saved me. Because when I don't have the words, because I'm not a person who likes to talk very much when I can't find the words or when I just don't have the words and all I have left is my hands in the air all I have left is worship and worship has got me through church worship has got me through speaking in tongues is part of worship the Bible says that when when we pray uh we speak things that we don't really fully understand, moanings and groanings and things. That's part of worship. And sometimes I get frustrated, God, because I can't find the words because I love you so much and I want to find the most flowery and beautiful words to lift you up and to magnify you in, 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 in majesty and, and, and just lift his name up. But I can't seem to find those words. And so all I have left is my hands. I do have a voice, and sometimes all that seems to come out is, is utterings or speaking in tongues and things that I don't seem to understand. But God understands them because God knows the intents of your heart. God knows what's going on inside of there. And when you do that and you yield to the Spirit and you find that place of intercessory prayer, because that's what it is. If you don't know what intercessory prayer is, go into it and do it a study. Because, church, if you want to be effective in the church in the kingdom of God if you're not a doorkeeper if if you're not uh, an usher if you're not a musician if you're not a preacher if you're and you and you're wanting to get involved be an intercessory prayer warrior because I tell you what they are more effective in my opinion than somebody who gets behind or just as effective that somebody gets behind a microphone and preaches the word because what happens in intercessory prayer is those things inside your heart God is dealing with and breaking, breaking fallow ground, but he's also breaking some fallow ground out there in somebody else's life, doing some great and wonderful things. And, and if you can do it, some people have a hard time doing it because they, they, they want the glory. It's just, that's just it. I want to be recognized. I want to get behind the microphone because I want to be recognized. I want people to look at me as somebody that's cool or whatever you want to call it but my my uh my hero is the person who gets in the in their closet and gets it all out there in the closet prays an intercessor prayer breaks some strongholds down there's some strongholds in Beaverton there's some strongholds in the Portland metro area church there used to be a, a there used to be a great move of god in this city portland metro area back in the early 100, 1900s. But we have come along, we have backed away quite a bit.
we have lost we have lost a lot of it praise God Abraham was a worshiper one of my favorite stories and it may sound morbid but it's when when he took his son up to the mountain to sacrifice him they asked him what are you going to go what are you doing he says I'm going up to the mountain taking my son we're going to go worship we're going to go worship and that was a tremendous sacrifice on Abraham's part and in the fact of the matter is church there have been times that I've come into this place and I didn't want to worship I didn't want to even be here and I'm sorry but I've I've called in sick before when I wasn't sick and I know that I'm not the only one I didn't I didn't want didn't want my heart to be touched For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's the mentality that I want to hold on to until the day that God takes me home. I know that I'm going to face some more. I I feel like this is the worst trial, struggle that I've ever had to go through. But I, you know, we're we're going through it. We're on the up and up, onward and upward. I, some you preach. That's so good. You preach that. <laughs> Back into when I was I was working in California, and chasing a rabbit. I'm sorry. It's dangerous for me because then I'm going to forget what I was just talking about. But. Uh, I just I loved hearing that because back when I was doing uh, carpentry back in California, we were doing this major um, complex area where it's just a bunch of a bunch of homes in one you know you know what I'm saying probably a senior center area where just a lot of homes in one area, but it was all uphill. We started at the bottom and worked our way up. We were remodeling every single one, and and the boss every time we finish a house, onward and upward. <laughs> and so I adopted that. Every time, every time I was struggling or going through something or just felt to encourage somebody else, I just say, onward and upward, let's go. Come on, we're going to do this. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Boy, I, I got a mess here. Sister Anna, you can come. I'm going to speak a little bit more. Exodus chapter 36 and 2 says Moses called Bezalel and Bezalel and Oholiab and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom catch that in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom even everyone whose heart stirred him to come unto the work to do it I want God to put things in our hearts good things when you have a heart to do the work of God, God will put good things in there. Just hold on to the things of God. And when trouble and trials come, you know, we're just going to make it. We're going to go right through it. Praise God. You feel the Holy Ghost in this place? In Hebrew... 12 and 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are so, we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, every stone, 
then and sin that which does so easily beset us and let us run this race with patience in a race that is set before us don't be in such a hurry to get up the hill don't be in such a hurry to get up the mountain we want everything we live in a generation where it's fast food we want it all right now and as quick as possible as we can get it don't be in a hurry serving for serving god don't be a hurry just live in life live life and enjoy it find the good things in life and, and what things that make you happy whether it's being around your family or whether it's just coming to church or being in his presence or finding finding good things in in your closet by you know intercessory prayer or just going out and witnessing to somebody giving them food and clothes and whatever it is that they need don't be in a hurry looking unto hebrews 12:2 looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith is he the author and finisher of your faith is he still an awesome god after all the stuff we've been through Is he still an awesome God after all that you've been through? Praise God. Let us lay, excuse me, uh, author and finish our faith for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And when I was going through it, church, there are always going to be There's always going to be somebody there to help you through it, right? And I had this I had this one brother that he just kept every time I seen him he just kept preaching or quoting the same verse over and over again. It was because it's what I needed to hear. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fire trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you but rejoice rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering then when his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceeding joy amen you can stand i'm going to finish with one one quick story sister diana was she was like my spiritual mother she there was a funeral i just attended here the last few months ago in california and when i lived there in california she her profession was a masseuse she she was it was a little weird at first but you know she was really good at it we had a couple masseuses in the church and she was the one that had a reputation for hurting people so if you wanted sister della lorenzetti she wasn't going to hurt you go to sister della lorenzetti that if you needed a good deep work in, if you needed some junk work out of your muscles because you're you're maybe you're an athlete or whatever the case is. In my case, I was a carpenter and I hurt myself a lot. <laughs> and uh, one particular day, I hurt myself so bad, my I couldn't even breathe. Blake, my back was so bad, it was so hard to breathe. And I, and I called her up. I said, Sister Deanna. I'm coming over. I I'm in bad shape right now. She said, No, without hesitation. Come on over. So I went over. She worked on me for an hour and a half for free. And I, while we were in that that session, she told me something that didn't I didn't fully comprehend until it actually happened. She says, "Brother Ellis, what happens?" Uh, you know, because she knew some of my issues and some of the things that I have gone through. She says, "Brother Ellis, what happens in life 
And when we, when we take on the hurt and the pain that happens to us, we store it in our bodies. That's why, that's why some of you hurt like you hurt. That's why some of you are, are, are wearing out faster than, than you were, myself included. Because we carry much, much more than what we really need to carry. And all those stones, they just began to, to find their way inside. And I don't fully comprehend it. And I didn't then until I actually experienced it. And she was massaging from head, start from the head all the way down to the toes. And when she got to my left leg, I can't even explain it. But all I could, the only thing that happened was I profuse, I just, I weeped. I wept. Not because it hurt. It didn't hurt. But I just wept. And I'm like, Sister Dan, I don't understand. She's like, this is exactly what I was telling you. It's the stuff. So if you want, if your New Year's resolution is to get lighter, then get rid of some stones. Let the Lord massage some of those things out of your life. I, um, I open these altars. I pray that somebody would come up here and start chiseling away at, at those stones as Sister Anna pray, uh, worships and sings. Come on, church. Come on, let the Lord in. Let the Lord touch your heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Let him work some of those things out. Hallelujah, Jesus. He wants to make you a beautiful vessel. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's a struggle for survival. I daily meet the foe. when I reach for my 